0: You have one unheard message.
1: Welcome back to another great episode. Great,
0: fantastic episode of the Chatterbox podcast. Yes. Thank you guys for joining us once again. We hope everyone's been good. We hope you guys enjoyed last week. Um, this week we have some really special guests um, and a really, really, really exciting episode. Yeah, um, man. So yeah, you guys should just get ready. Yeah, we have a great collaboration today with yeah. Public
1: Health Hub. Um, which is run by a couple of our friends and we have one of the founders here, her name is Titi and um, she's just going to quickly introduce herself and quickly introduce what Public Health does. So Titi you go first.
2: Hi, I'm Titi from the Public Health Hub as Ayawani has just said. So the Public Health Hub is something I started with a couple of other public health scholars and essentially we recognise that in Nigeria there are lots of different healthcare initiatives and they're all working to tackle the same health issues in the same areas. We're not working as effectively as possible. So recognizing this, we decided to start to build a platform where people can communicate with each other and collaborate on different projects and um, find ways to pool their resources and work towards tackling health issues in Nigeria.
1: Awesome! Wow, guys, she's she's doing great things, and she only just graduated <laughs> last year. So.
2: And thanks for having um, us
1: on your
2: platform.
1: No problem. <laughs> thank, you thank you for thank joining you. us. Thank you for joining us. Um, and we also have three amazing guests to facilitate our discussion today. Um, so our discussion today is surrounding. Sorry, so it surrounds. Um, what's it called? Maternity. Um, whether or not Black women. Um, are affected by racism in healthcare, and how that has increased the um maternal mortality rates in the UK, in the US, with numbers with numbers for Black women being five times more, ten times more in the US, um, than white women. And just discussing whether or not this is a race issue, whether or not this is a you know cultural issue, and look moving forward, the education and how our mindset can change in order to um. Sort of reverse this curve and ensure that this isn't a long-lasting um, thing for black women. So today we have three doctors, um, three healthcare professionals, and I will just allow them to introduce themselves, starting with Yinka.
3: Hi ladies, um, my name is Yinka. I'm a urology specialty trainee in Northwest London. Um, I've been working in the NHS for six, seven years now and yeah i'm excited to be here thanks for thanks for having me thank you,
1: thank
4: you. and Elwa. hi um, my name is ella i am a pediatric trainee in east london i've been working for the nhs for three years
0: and thanks for having me here
5: awesome and tommy um hi everybody um i'm tommy um i'm an obstetric and gynaecology specialist registrar um i've been working in northwest london um and I've been uh, sorry, working in North of England, and I've been working with the NHS for um, about seven years now. Awesome.
1: So, we've got some heavy hitters here, guys. Some heavy it's hitters. It's going to be a very, very interesting um, conversation. <laughs> um, so, just to quickly
0: give like the backstory of why we wanted to have Wait, this discussion. Wait, before you go in. Oh,
1: sorry. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, sorry. She wanted to ask you guys something. <laughs> we usually do something at the beginning of every episode where we talk about our nags and brags. Um, of the week so one good thing and one bad thing that's happened this week um, and I thought it would be um, rather than ask about nags and brags, just ask how are you doing how is work going um, during this pandemic so I'll start with Ella. Well work
4: has been interesting really it hasn't changed much for me because I am currently working in neonates which is little babies um, deliveries that kind of thing and mums are still giving birth same thing, same old, so hasn't really changed in terms of like um COVID, um, being on the front line kind of thing. So it's been it's been good.
3: All right. Yanka? Um yeah, for me I think work has been a little bit of a roller coaster. Um I was redeployed to ITU. I'm I'm a urology registrar, so I'm I'm a surgeon that deals with um kidneys, bladder prostates, um And so I was redeployed to ITU to help with COVID. So that was quite interesting. Um, I'm back on neurology now, so back in my comfort zone. It's been really busy, but yeah, we're trooping on. Awesome. And Tori.
5: So I'm actually on maternity leave. So I'm on maternity leave with an eight-month-old and home with my four-year-old during COVID. So I've been busy with them, not really doing anything medical. Um, yeah, so my week has been good. I've been busy doing zoo trips, doing park trips, and all that kind of thing.
0: So, yeah.
1: Cool.
5: <laughs> and Tizi, we can ask you, I
1: guess. Yeah, you can
0: ask you, how's life going? Not too bad. I was on annual leave
2: most of this week, so I had a two day working week. <laughs> Can't <laughs> complain. But yeah, life's good. Been quite busy with the public health hub and work and. I just started baking, a baking business. So that's been fun. Plug yourself always.
1: (laughs) Wow, love to see it. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, everyone. So just to quickly give sort of the foundation for this discussion, um, Oelana and I, as we said before, Chatterbox is typically pop culture, you know, media, all these other things. And a couple of weeks ago, a um, YouTuber, Nicole Thea, may us all rest in peace, um, passed away from childbirth. Her and her baby sadly passed away. And she was someone that a lot of people followed. A lot of people followed her pregnancy journey. A lot of people followed, you know, everything that she was going through because she was a YouTuber and she would post this online quite regularly. Um, So I think when we both saw this story, it was kind of a shock. Mm-hmm. And I think it was particularly a shock for me because I, I sort of, you know, thought that in the UK... Um, childbirth and, and pregnancy related complications are sort of rare um with numbers falling down due to improvements in technology and, and 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 just the the healthcare system that we have anyway so i think i was a bit shocked at first and then more and, peop- more, and more people started to post the infographics about how um you know recent reports have come out by embrace which is a um independent audit body which looks at um mothers um, and childbirth and all these other issues particularly in the uk and it was a report that said that um in between 2014 and 2016 um Black mothers in the UK are five times more likely to die from childbirth. And there was a whole campaign around this with more people just educating us on why. So I'll quickly just run through some of the reasons that were given in some of these infographics first. So it was said that African and Afro-Caribbean moms are more likely to receive insufficient antenatal and post, um, postnatal care. They're five times more likely to die during pregnancy, childbirth. They're more than two times more likely to have a stillbirth. They have the highest neonatal mortality rates since 2015 and has dramatically risen since then. Um, 60% of babies um, have a low birth weight and more than 50% suffer from severe maternal morbidity. Now, these particular statistics aren't mm-hmm. from the Embrace report. They're just from infographics that were going around Instagram. And I think a lot of people have... Um, pinpointing this to racism, right? And we've seen examples of people like Beyonce and Serena Williams, who have been very, um, who have been very forthcoming about, you know, their birthing stories and what they experienced, especially in private healthcare as well in, in America. So the first question we have for you is, what is the difference between system and in particular when it comes to um, the healthcare system in the U.S. and the U.K.? I know it's sort of glaring obvious for most people but there are some people that may not know the mm-hmm. difference so one person just wants to quickly just answer um, that question.
5: So yeah um, the I mean the U.S. is mostly private healthcare right so it's an it's more insurance based from what I know I'll start with them because I don't you know I'm not in the U.S. but it's mostly insurance based so um, I think I did my elective in the U.S., so I can say that you know your insurance covers you up to a certain extent with something. With m- you know most things, depending on some people have insurance from work, some people have insurance personally. It just depends. So you're not, it's not the same for all basically. Um, I remember when I was w- doing my elective there, there were some procedures that we had, or some tests we'd recommended to one patient, and she was like, "Cause her insurance doesn't cover it, she's not going to do the tests." So that there are those kind of scenarios in the US definitely. Um whereas in the UK the NHS if you live in the UK you're entitled to use the NHS, um you're legally here, then you can use the NHS. You know, it's it's not um it's not everything should be equal for everybody on the NHS, essentially. Most things I'll say. There are a few services that differ based on your postcode, but something like maternal care should be the same. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, so
1: in particular with the US, I think a lot of people do say that something that could contribute to the number, um, the rising number, and I think, Titi, I'll just ask you if you can briefly speak on this, mm-hmm. is um, the access that Black women, particularly African-American women, have to um, health care. Do you think that this is a significant reason why we're seeing higher numbers in the US? Um, Or do you think there are other areas and other things that can address, including racism um, and other, you know, underlying health conditions? What do you think, Titi?
2: Um, I can't say too much about the US because I don't know that much about the system there. But then in terms of access to healthcare, I think there are many other things that have a role to play in this. And I think in the conversation, a lot of aspects of healthcare and like just health seeking behaviour have been missed. So I think one key thing is um, socioeconomic background i guess you could say that has like racism is connected to that in some ways because ultimately these people may be more disadvantaged because of um systemic racism so yeah you could say racism has a role to play in that but then i think um looking at people's cultures so different people of different races or people from different um ethnic backgrounds have different cultures and that can affect their like health seeking behavior so um some women might just be if for example, like Oingala, you were having a discussion earlier and you were saying that you were less likely to seek um to go to the doctor and you think a lot of your um white friends, for example, would be very willing to go to the doctor, but then you just want to like search it online. So that's health seeking behavior. And then in terms of um people being predisposed to certain diseases or having like genetic factors that um play a role in them being of higher risk of certain diseases and certain conditions. I think that has a role to play. But then, i Wendy, just to check, your question was about health seeking behavior, so like access to healthcare. Yeah, yeah. So I think obviously that doesn't affect access to healthcare. I think it depends on how the system itself runs, like the healthcare system runs. And I can't really speak for the American healthcare system in particular. um But I know, like Tommy has just mentioned, insurance has a part to play. um mean, lots of people don't have insurance. And if you're not employed, I don't know how it works in America. But often, if you're not employed, it's actually
3: a lot harder to get insurance, healthcare insurance. Yeah. I mean, the only comment I'll add to that as well, though, is that, um, you know, in a, in a system that's just privately run, um, I think, you know, the differences with access that's um, linked to sort of socioeconomic status or systemic racism would definitely be a lot more exaggerated than, you know, a public system. public run system as we have here so awesome Mm,
0: awesome so just um a general question i guess kind of moving back to the uk and just talking about the nhs do you believe that racism plays a role in the care that black women receive um and i'm just going to throw that out there you can you can respond if you want
3: do i well yeah so Tumi and i have had a lot of discussion about this um I think I think if you had asked me this question maybe a couple of weeks ago, I would have said no. And I think the reason I would have said no would be, first of all, you know, I work within the NHS, I love the NHS. Like I you know, it's difficult for me as an NHS healthcare provider to say there is a degree of systemic racism within the NHS. And I think the second thing is you know, when when you uh, look at racism, you tend to look at it from your own lens. So you look at it from your own sort of standpoint of your experience, your background. Um, I personally, generally within the NHS, haven't seen accounts of um direct, overt racism. So again, that would have been the reason I would have said no. But I feel like with a lot of things that happened recently and with a lot, of, a lot of my research and re- reflection into, you know, just the way the system works. I mean, I feel like I have to say, based on a lot of the evidence out there, that it, it probably does play a role in, you know, the care Black women receive. I think it's a lot more complex than just labelling it as, OK, yes, systemic racism is it plays a big role role. I think there's lots of other things that play a role in it. As we said, um today like I was saying earlier about, you know, there might be things that black women are more um predisposed to genetically um, that mean that they might have more complex um pregnancies, more complex deliveries. I think again there's the whole thing about attitude towards healthcare and attitude towards intervention in um pregnancy as well. That would play play a role. But I, I mean I think I would have to say yes. Systemic, I mean, we, I mean, if you say that the UK itself, I mean, if we can all agree that the UK itself is systemically racist, then yes. how can we not <laughs> say, yeah, how can racist, we, how can yes. the NHS stand aside from that if? They haven't done anything that's actively anti-racist, if that makes sense. So I feel like, you know, I've I've had a whole sort of turn point where, you know, if you again if you if if we are having this conversation a, a couple of weeks ago, I would have said no. But as I've enlightened myself, um, I think I think I would have to say there is a role that systemic racism plays. Whether it's conscious or subconscious, is yeah.
1: I feel like Tommy is itching to say something. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think, mean, yeah, Tommy and I definitely have. We, we know we yeah. have. Yeah, yeah, we have so different you know I'm about
5: to say something. Differing opinions on this. Um, why, why, why I say I kind of disagree with that, um, that's the systemic racism in the UK. Um, and with Yinka, I agree the systemic racism in the NHS, maybe more from the working ladder for employees in the NHS, where I struggle where I really, really struggle and I'm open to any explanation where somebody can tell me why that is caused by systemic racism. I work in obstetrics and gynecology, so we're talking less about women, right? I work a lot of the places where you have a high number of ethnic minorities and black women accessing care. You also have that in terms of the staff. So I, don't, I, I, fail to, I struggle to see where I've worked in, in quite a few hospitals around London, And I struggle to see how a woman, a black woman coming in and being, ending up um, with a bad result in her pregnancy, ending up, um, will be because people that have seen her along the way are racist. And even with systemic racism, for me, I kind of need somebody to break it down to how that particularly applies to the patient. So is it because, so does she have a symptom like reduced fetal movements that we ignored because she was black? I, I struggle to see how that would have happened. Would she have a symptom like her baby was measuring small that we failed to see because she was black? I really struggle with that. So for me, although I'm not, I'm not disputing the fact that there's racism in energy, racism everywhere. I struggle to see how a healthcare professional will see something that will trigger them to pull up a red flag and they won't because a patient is black. What I will say is that I wonder whether we don't understand disease in black women as well as we should? That's my question because for me, so when and when we call that systemic racism, people call that systemic, we are something percent in this country black. I'm glad the conversation has started, but I think it's a dangerous place labeling that racism. I think what it should be more focused on is yes, we have changed as a demographic in the country, but a lot of us are in London, right? So what we see is the mix of black people is very different to the rest of the country first of all. Um, when we say we're 3%, um, yes, we, everybody matters, so we should focus on 3% and studying that. But I think that should be the conversation we should be having rather than labeling it racism in terms, in, in, with regards to this in particular. It should be, do we really understand disease in black people, do we really? Yes, we should have probably understood it a long time ago, but coming from a more white population, we are 3% of the country, it's a conversation that needs to start. And I think sometimes labeling that in particular systemic racism, might swing the conversation in a defensive way. It, is it might make people defensive about it. So I think for me, I'm like, it's I struggle to see how people would have missed signs with pregnant women because of their skin color. I I struggle to see. It. Anyone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I really struggle to see that in particular. Just before you um
1: jump in back again, Yinka, I just want to hear from um Elwa and Titi on this, and then we can like sort of just to see where everyone stands on this um point. So Elwa.
4: I think just because of the way medicine is taught, especially in medical school and stuff, a lot of signs and symptoms in black people are skimmed over. Like especially in dermatology, in, even when I started like pediatrics and stuff like that, a lot of signs when you're looking, doing your baby checks, when you're doing your routine checking that the baby's fine. There are things that are very different in white babies compared to black babies Well babies, Asian babies, babies of colour that will not be addressed in medical school. I worked outside of London for my F1 and my F2. I worked in Essex. And I did some paediatrics there before I did in um, London. And I was, there was so much stuff that was not taught, like signs and symptoms that I had no idea about until I moved to London. And I would have thought this, these things were abnormal because no one told me that they were normal until I moved to London. As you said, in hospitals where the patients are uh, mixed, where there are more black patients, where there are more ethnic minorities, they're also likely to be a mix of staff as well. More black nurses, more black doctors, etc. Hence, they're more likely to identify those things as well <laughs> and pick up those signs like in black women, like fibroids or whatever that they might have, which might make their pregnancies more complicated in hospitals where there's um, a mix of black patients, hence a mix of black doctors. Um, but I do see how they would miss miss things in black women because they are black and because they're not as common in white patients. Because in medical school these things are glossed over, so like eczema, so many things that are very different in black people compared to white people, and we're just be really abnormal to someone who's never seen it in a black person, who's never been told this is how it's going to look like in a black person, who's never been told black people are more likely to have like fibroids for example, this kind of thing that would just think that it's, that would just not acknowledge that these are things that need to be addressed or that would just not realise that either this thing is normal for a black person or this thing is abnormal for a black person, I don't know and even like when I was in South and I was, I've was i always worked in DGHs since I started medicine. So in DGHs, District General Hospitals, a lot of the staff, the doctors are Black or Asian. I've noticed anyways, the consultants and the registrars and stuff. But the nurses would probably reflect whatever the demographic of that area is, is what I've noticed anyway. So when I was in South End, a lot of the consultants were... Um, black or Asian, but the patients were all mostly white. I had this one in black patients. So even in our induction, we'll be told what signs to look out for in white patients. Hence, you see the one odd black patients in three months. Like I personally said, saw this, I saw one black baby who had one sign that was different from what you would see in a white baby, like basically their reflex in their eyes, their red reflex was yellow instead of red, which is normal for a black baby but i thought oh this is abnormal this child is going to be blind oh my god <laughs> so nobody knew i didn't know and this was the kind of thing where when i moved to london in the first week the doctor said to us you will never see yeah you will never see a red red reflex in this hospital <laughs> yeah and it's just that kind of thing that people need to address like especially in the uk like we're having more and more people of different ethnicities So I don't know if you can call it systemic racism. I think you probably can, because in medical school, there are many different people of different colors in the world. And as a doctor, you should be able to recognize signs in not just white people, but all different people. You don't know who's gonna come through A&E. You don't know what kind of pregnant woman is gonna come through A&E. You need to be able to know that in this black woman, You need to know that black women are more at risk i don't know that much about obs and so i can't say exactly what but you need to know that black women are more at risk of this this and that and hence when you're taking your history or your examination you need to be looking out for this this and that and be more aware of these things
5: and have them higher in your differentials when you're thinking of these things yeah (laughs) guys I, i think we need to be careful not to i know it sounds really like Obviously, I I completely agree there is systemic racism, but I think we need to be careful not to reduce it to such a generalisation with these cases, particularly in the Obzangaini cases. Why I say that is because I I trained in London, right? So I've been taught all these things. It doesn't mean that black women still don't die in London. And I'm not trying to... And it doesn't mean I couldn't still make a mistake with a black woman is what I'm trying to say. So I don't think... I think we the red reflex thing is interesting because I told you we got referred for... We got referred to um, ophthalmology because he had, um, pale discs, but I was actually seen by a black doctor, right, in, um, a black GP, and you know his comment, I love his comment, he said, yes, he knows it's more common in black people, but it doesn't mean that you can't then have a black person that because he's, like a black baby, that because his discs are pale, it won't be, um, a cancer, it won't be an illness, so, so although, so you understand what I mean now, so although, um, you have to be careful to not run the risk of, because this is a black thing. Could, people, people still don't ignore it on purpose, is what I'm trying to say. So I still got referred. I still got... And particularly with Obes and gyne, um we're more high-risk in, in terms of our cardiac profile generally. Yes, I agree with that. But it's... it's like I said, I still, will, will, I still would... Um, I'd struggle to see where it was that we were literally negligent because somebody was black. And that was the result of what happened, basically you understand what I mean like obviously things get investigated so closely with maternal deaths right I think, I think I agree with you like I said before it's more that we need to start understanding our population more um, but I don't think it's uh, um, because we're black they don't want to understand I think it's more that people just need to be like if you're in Scotland for example I have a friend I wish she was on this call actually she will rarely see she was like she will rarely see a fibroid patient in her whole year like hardly ever Whereas I am work in a hospital, so priv I see private patients every week. There's not much you can do about that. Yes, you can learn, but if you don't experience it in person, it can be quite difficult, unless like, experience means a lot, basically. um, Is what I'm trying to say. So even if you get to, we got to all of that in med school. I went to med school in London, so fine. But if I then went out, so outside of London and I was practicing then, I'd probably lose my sense of, if I'm seeing a certain type of person, that would be what I'm used to treating. So it's to have the conversation for how to address that whether it's that we rotate more into certain areas i don't know i don't know what the answer is but
2: so titi you were going to say something i feel like Yenka had something to say mm-hmm. <laughs> and i was going to let Yenka go first okay. <laughs> <laughs> i think
3: what i was just going to say was just I, I don't think we're saying that this is directly just as a result of systemic racism and you know I think you can label it whatever you want to. There's still an issue, you know, it, regardless of how we define it. There's definitely an issue. And I think, yes, I agree with you, too in the sense that um, these issues are a lot more complex, but I don't think we can... Whether or not we define it the same way, I think we still agree that there's still the same problems, if that makes sense.
5: No, no, but nobody's... I'm not disputing the problem. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm saying that when you label something racism, it makes people feel as if it's, it was somebody's fault. When things generally get... Let me, let me finish. When things generally... generally wait, when things generally, generally get addressed in the NHS, right, they try and take away the blame game. Just notice, with the NHS generally, when they do any... They try and blame the system, blame, blame the process, look at the processes, take it away from the individual... Why I struggle with that? I work on the floor with black women, right? So if you tell me that, okay, so because I'm not used I mean, I'm used to seeing black women, so I can't say that's an... an okay, I'm used to seeing black women, but I know that they're mm-hmm. higher cardiac risk. But is there anything I actually do about the fact that they're higher cardiac risk? We need to look into that. And I'm black. There's nothing I do differently, per se, to so a black woman that I take an antenatal history from. Because they're black, that I will take the same antenatal history from everybody. So what I'm trying to say is that, that's why I say I struggle with the term racism, because does that mean I'm racist to a black person because I'm taking it? No, I've been taught that way, but mm-hmm. what, are the, what other way mm-hmm. in terms of... And, and, and like I said, I'm an Obst red, so that's what I know, right? And I'm using that example because that's what's been topical at the moment. Um, and the top, my problem with it being topical is that the way it's been branded as, like, in the press, everywhere, I think is I think it's just destructive to the conversation, personally. Um, but um, I think we do need to have the conversation. But my question is, like, for me, I'm black. I know black people have a higher cardiac history. I still ask the same family history. I ask everybody else. So I always ask everybody a family history. So I know her family history, and a lot of them, a lot of people say, oh, they don't have any family history. They don't have family history cardiac disease. They might not know. We don't do anything extra. Even a lot of black women might even have ECGs if they have chest pain or whatever. We do this. We still treat them. Is my point. I don't say, oh, I'm not going to do this because they're black. I don't say. So for me. I'm like, the conversation needs to be that we need to understand disease more in a higher, in a, rather than, oh, our system, our our system is racist. Yes, the whole system is racist, but the conversation needs to be more pointed towards, it's not how we're treating, it's actually, we don't really know about the black genes, we don't really know about the, so I think we need to divert that conversation that way.
3: But but don't you think like you know if a system hasn't really taken its time to actually understand these things in black women and teach and train doctors about so three percent of the population you know, people are, well I mean I, I, well I'm, I'm, I, yes we can say we can say that but then if we're saying there's this fault mm. it still needs to be given the definition and I feel like if the system has trained you to be a certain way then, the, like, no one is, and I, I do agree that, you know, we, we do have this, when we start to talk about racism, like, there is that this whole blame culture, and I think we do need to move away from that, to be honest, to be able to have, like, open conversations, to be able to move forward, like, when I talk about systemic racism, and I talk about the NHS being um, systemically racist, I'm not saying it in a I need we're pointing fingers at the NHS. I'm saying it in a we need to reflect and we need to do better. Do you see? So I feel like it's it's the way you look, it's it depends on how you yeah, look it's at
5: me. it. I I still struggle with that being called racism. Is my problem. I still no, struggle I actually had something to say about this so because we, I feel like yeah you go to today. so
2: recently I've been doing some research on reverse innovation and this is like quite a problematic term so innovation traditionally is known to flow from one direction to the other and it's meant to flow from like western countries to low and middle income countries like the south um and this has affected a lot of things in the world like research you can see this in research as well the majority of research comes from westernized countries like you can see Mm -hmm. where people have focused on certain um like diseases and conditions, like there's a lot of research on how Asian people, like Japanese people, suffer from certain conditions. They've done research comparing Japanese people to people in California, stuff like that. But then there isn't that much on African people. And I was telling, um, I don't know who I was talking to recently, I did a test at uni where it's like a taste bud test. So it's testing for the PTC gene to see like if you can taste it or not. And I found that I had like a really different allele, no one else had that allele in my class and then during research I found that that's only common in Africa and we had so much information on all the other ones but like in research generally you don't find that much on um African populations because we don't have that representation in the um academic space basically so like it has an effect on literally every aspect of it and I think this conversation is quite it's quite dangerous to just label it as racism like Tommy has said Um, because you're ignoring like the underlying conditions why are black people more at risk of all of these diseases why are they more at risk of um, cardiovascular disease or hypertension like we actually need to find black people that are in the research space and get them to a place where they can actually share their results and their results can be like internationally recognized so yeah you can say that in Nigeria people actually know why this is an issue or they're doing research on this but then in the UK where you still have black people no one has read these papers. Like, it's not being shared. The Lancet is not going to share academic papers coming from African countries. So th- that's another issue we have to focus on. So yeah, it is systemic racism that exists internationally. It's worldwide. And it's like, how do you break that? How do we break this idea that innovation flows in one direction? This idea that anything coming from westernized countries, anything done on, like, white people is better. Like, we need to understand that us as black people as well, people that are doing, studying biomedical um, science, Studying anything science related, they need to come up with their yeah. results and actually publish it where it's going to be seen and where it can be used, because we are actually ignoring a lot of factors. That I, have been but Tislaya, why this.
3: why do you think the why do you think that research gets ignored? Exactly. Exactly. So exactly. I was trying to
2: understand this as well, and I've done quite a bit of research on this. I I think it's just like in everybody's mentality. So like westernized like in Western places, this is. Just in their mind, so I was doing research on this, and I found a paper that was saying that's um looked at willingness to adopt um, health systems that originate from low and middle income countries. So there's this thing in Brazil called the fam- um, family health strategy, and it's basically like an integrated um, primary health system, and that's basically what the UK is trying to achieve now in terms of healthcare and how their health system works. Um, so ages ago, they actually conducted a study, presenting this strategy that exists in Brazil to professionals in the uk and some of the pre- um, professionals had responses like um why would we ever adopt something that originates in brazil what do we have like what is there to learn from a developing country like brazil and that is literally just their mentality like they think whatever is made here is better and there's no explanation for this is the same way that we
5: think black people no, are just less- like there is an explanation though sorry i differ why do people come to england why do people that live in nigeria come to england to have their babies answer a question so for me as black people we need to take ourselves seriously and start doing things properly on a whole to be respected so i'm not saying that some people don't i'm not like me and you. i've had many conversations about this whole responsibility taking thing i'm not saying there's not racism you guys should get that so people are like dif- um disagreeing with me because you think i'm saying there's no racism i'm not saying that i'm just saying that we need to have a conversation the other way as well and look at it with try and look at it objectively we're all black so let's try and look at it objectively as if we were neither, neither white or black. At the end of the day, right, you're in a country where the majority is one colour. Why is it that the countries we come from, where we're majority black, are not doing things to look at black people or we're not doing things to the point, we're not doing things properly? I'm not saying there are not people in African countries that don't do research properly, but I'm saying because of the reputation we have, it's very difficult for us to be respected in that space. Why is it that, you know, if if our healthcare systems are not developed to the point where they need to be, it's very difficult for any country, when they see us flocking here, how far doctors flocking here, how far, like, it's difficult to be respected in that sense, in that space. Whatever the reasons, background reasons are for that, I think that's a very clear answer to why we're not respected. Like, it's very difficult to respect a country where it feels like the people in healthcare are not even staying there. You know, it's difficult. For anybody else. If I was British. White. If I was white British. I would be the same. You know. So I think. We need to start taking. We need to start challenging ourselves. Um, It's complicated. I don't think it's down to the healthcare professionals. Or necessarily the biochemists. Or it's not necessarily their fault. I know it's not their fault. But it's. I think. Although it's not their fault. I think it's a difficult. We need to answer that question. Honestly.
1: I was having. I was having a conversation with a friend. Recently about this. And. And she was talking about you know the fact that people say that the nhs it's standardized treatment like why is it that a number like this five times more likely is coming up in research if it is standardized treatment that every single person and i know and i want to touch on later on other things aside from racism that may be causing this higher um um increase in in, in maternal mot- mortality rates um amongst black women but it's like if we are all getting the same we are all seeing the same and you know the medical profession um when it comes to unconscious bias we don't have that because every single person is being treated like that why do you still have the five times more
0: Can
3: like i think a yeah. the issue is i just will just want to make a comment the issue is at the end of the day you know healthcare is provided by human beings at the end of the day. So we cannot say that, you know, we don't have any unconscious bias. Like everyone, we're all individuals, we all have our own biases that we take into the workspace. So to say that we, you know, to say that everyone gets the same healthcare provision even in the, even, you know, it, it won't be the case, even in the country like the UK, where things are a bit more standardised compared to, like, the US, for example. Because, you know, the way, you know, I, I've spent some time reflecting on this, and it's not just to do with race as well, it's to do with things like level of education, it's to do with, you know, sex as well, male versus female, it's to do with, um you know, the way a patient might appear to you, their level of capacity. These things influence the way, whether or not you, realize it whether or not it's conscious or subconscious these things affects the way you treat someone so i i definitely think i'm not i'm not saying it's clearly the
5: reason but well, would you say it affects your medical judgment Inca? would you say it affects your medical judgment? You I, personally? I think i
3: think it does i think i think it does and i think and i no no i think it does i think it does and i think we don't as healthcare professionals we we really do need to look into this a lot more i feel like there are a lot of biases we carry that and, 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 you know, Tomi, I won't say consciously it does, but mm. I've actually but done just a lot I feel like there's
5: some things that are just standard, right? Maybe in Obzanyani, someone comes in mm. as an asnatal patient. If they have certain symptoms, there's certain things you do. I don't know how to, I don't know if I'm being well, I mean, too simplistic. Um, but one, one example, I was going to give myself as an example, right? Mm-hmm. I said this to Tisla the other day. With my latest pregnancy, this is, I don't mind sharing this. My first pregnancy, I had everything fine. My latest pregnancy, apparently I had everything fine. But guess what? I checked my blood pressure at home. Because I'm a doctor, I'll, I'll, I'll see what I'm reading from this. But I took my blood pressure at home, and my blood pressure was high. And I went in because my blood pressure was high, and then they checked it, and it was high. And obviously, they kept me and delivered me. And I was I was heading that way, right? Why did I check my blood pressure? I didn't have a headache. I didn't have. The, I was just paranoid. And I, no, I had a bit of leg swelling. And my first pregnancy, I never had leg swelling, so I didn't check my blood pressure. I checked my blood pressure, thinking this is weird. A normal patient will not do that. I'm black. So what I'm trying to say is that when I talk about the whole looking into Black people more as our background of disease, things like when they say a Black person's BMI should be lower for the same health risk, we all know, so I don't know if you know that, but if you say a BMI of 25, um, sorry, if you say BMI of uh, um, over 25 is overweight for a white person, we already know that for a Black person, a BMI of 25 is worse than a white person's BMI of 25. We know that already, right? So what I'm trying to say is that I just think we need to look further into our illnesses. So if that's the case, surely in terms of cardiac hypertension, all of those kind of things, we just already be starting off at baseline a lot worse when you're pregnant. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So I'm saying the conversation I think needs to be stirred in that way. So why is it, should there be, should we be doing extra blood pressure checks on black people? Should we do a 24-hour monitor on a black person? Should that be enough of a risk factor? I think those are the kind of questions that should be, that's where the conversation should be going. Rather than oh, you treated this bad per- this person, you missed this because this person was black. I think the conversation should be more that should we be doing this because they're black? Because I don't think people, kn- I don't think I think with the maternal one, I think it's just that we don't understand black people's um, predispositions and black people's like, it's particularly when it comes to cardiac disease with women. I just don't, black women. I don't think it's understood as well as it could it could be. Um, but if we know
1: that, why why isn't some why isn't it something that we are then going into?
5: That's my that's my question. So that's, so that's why I said I think that's what the discussion should be. I think that's what the discussion should be. It should be that okay so yeah i think
4: outcomes are also it's not just depending on medical treatments obviously it does they're also multifactorial the medical treatment as you said it also varies because of the person's physiology because you're black and we need to understand that more but also in terms of the patient themselves the patient's health beliefs the patients what they do on their end also affects their outcome like in terms of black people black people are more religious black Black people, in terms of religious religiousness may be less likely to go to the hospital timely because they might be more likely to hope that they they will recover more naturally hence things will get will progress quicker will get worse quicker you end up going to hospital when it is already worse, hence treatment is less likely to be as successful as if you had addressed it earlier, so all these things they all build up build up and they all work together to provide a worse outcome. So these health beliefs also end up that way. Just like many black people will say, oh, they don't take painkillers because of, well, they don't want to take medication or this kind of thing. Like it all adds up. And obviously not everyone has that health belief, but like statistically black people are more religious and will end up having, going to the hospital when things are already worse and hence have a worse outcome. And all those things just work together really too. So I think education on both ends, us learning more about black people, um, their physiology, how we can treat those, like in terms of hypertension, etc., how we can address those diseases better. And also the patients themselves becoming more aware that they might need medical attention early, that they are at high risk, hence should be more attentive to their own body and girls should seek medical help early, because it it would be more beneficial to them because they're obviously at high risk, as I said, would we'll work out better for them, really.
1: I, I came across this BBC podcast episode, BBC stories, and um, it was talking particularly about um, experience of Black women mm-hmm. when they were giving birth, and you know the people and the examples that that they were showing. So. You know the stereotype of, um, you know, the the strong black women mm-hmm. and or the angry black women, and the the experience being shut down and being silenced okay. when they're calling out um, issues and things that they're experiencing or they're feeling has now caused them to have a negative outlook on the NHS when it comes to giving birth and not feeling it's a safe environment for them, um, and I think a lot of these women who were interviewed um throughout this felt that this was racism and in in one con- con- in one situation one woman said that she would look over and she saw another white woman getting you know all the attention and yeah obviously it's it can be your own personal judgment mm-hmm. or whatever but um for her she felt that um she wasn't getting and receiving that same thing so i think like my question to you um is sort of how can those things are those things actually considered racism in that situation when it's coming to, like, giving birth? Especially giving these statistics and these numbers that are coming out where black women are now even feeling more unease with, um, you know, feeling safe in the NHS when they're giving birth and all these um, other situations. I think, can I answer
5: that? Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. I think with the whole birth, giving birth thing, I think it's a very emotional thing. Um, when you interview black women and said they have really bad experiences, I think if you interview a lot of women from any race, they would say that. Um I think our expectations of what childcare is and what your postnatal ward in particular, so after you've given birth, what postnatal ward care is, I think if we have the right expectations, I think people's um experiences might be a bit different. I feel like there's a lot of there are a lot of when you go to a lot of antenatal classes, I went to antenatal classes that weren't led by hospitals you know there are a lot of answers there are a lot of classes that make you feel as if things should be natural everything should be a certain way you should be able to breathe out your baby you hear that term a lot you should be able to do certain things which for some people when all the physiology and everything is lined up perfectly you can do but for an aging more unhealthy um population generally things can go more complicated generally right it's not it's not if you went how many years back you probably have had um you know when you had people that were 18 to 25 which is the age really you should be giving birth apparently which nobody is now we really, hardly anybody is um and we're not overweight did not have diabetes did not have di- hypertension i think it's a very different story um now i think if you speak to a lot of I, I think basically obviously it's topical now we know that we know that this is an issue you interview a lot of black women and they'll say that they had bad experiences i don't think you can say if you interviewed a lot of white asian other women they would tell you they had an amazing experiences i think a lot of people most people i know that you interviewed after their birth personally black white were from wherever after their um deliveries have not had the the best have not had the best (laughs) have not had the best um experiences and then a lot of people's experiences are based on postnatally on the postnatal word i don't know when I had my baby obviously I'm an opposite guy and the one thing I didn't want to do was I didn't want to go to the postnatal ward midwives nowadays are under a lot more stress than they used to be before you had things like midwives visiting you at home for days and days after your pregnancy like it was the, the, the numbers were smaller it was very very different nowadays midwives are under a lot of stress often short staffed on the postnatal ward people go in with the expectation that they're back and call Whereas for a midwife and a healthcare professional, the postnatal ward is just seen as a place to make sure there are no, like almost no disasters just for a few days afterwards. You're, you're not being seen as a, a, like, they're not nurses in a sense. They're, I don't know how to describe it. They're doing, they're, doing, they're multitasking. They're looking at making sure your baby's okay. They're looking at you. They're, looking, they're not going to be at your beck and call. You know, some people have complained to me about their midwives not helping them change the baby when they've had a C-section. I'm not saying that that's not a nice thing to do. Right, And when you're in pain after you've had a C-section, it, I've had two C-sections, it is difficult to get up and change your baby. But unfortunately, with the, with the, um, the tasks they have, they just can't do that. I can't say that some people are not racist. Person, like Individuals won't be racist on the postnatal word. I can't say that. I'm not good. I don't know. But I think if you ask a lot of people from different races about their experiences, I don't think they necessarily have good stories to tell. Particularly about after their birth. I don't think they would. In, in my opinion it's a sad thing but i don't think i think the expectations of people are very very different um to what and even even things like epidural things like you know you're always off if, if you if you're in a um i guess a doctor-led service somewhere that you have access to epidural, they will they will offer they will have the discussion with you um i think what people think about before they get pre- before they go into labor and during the labor and how things progress in terms of their feelings and stuff it's, it's not an easy thing to understand, it's very complex, um, women's attitudes, family's attitudes, your birth partner's attitudes, a lot of different things, um, it's, it's a situation where things can go wrong quickly, um, things can change, you know, the the way, you know, someone might say they have a, had a horrible, they were treated horribly, and it could just all stem from the fact that they didn't want a section and they had a cesarean section, you know, you have a lot of people that refuse all these things and say they're never gonna, and they feel like, oh, the doctor forced them into it, but then, obviously, they don't have the medical background to know why they, been told to have one or they've been advised that so i think it's 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 i think it's it, it's a big generalization to just interview people and ask them about their it's, it's all subjective so it's very difficult to say um and i know racism is subjective i'm not i'm not disputing that and i can't take that away from them but i think it's very difficult to then say that that's the cause of that
0: mm. <laughs> i was gonna say um do you think that there is like a romanticization um of like childbirth and pregnancy because i know that like for me when I watch movies, I think that, you know, I'm going to go into, like, have my own private room and I'm just going to, I'm just going to, yeah, oh, awesome. oh, yeah. my God, oh my God. And then the baby comes out and then, <laughs> and then I give the baby to this nurse and she takes care of Like, you know, yeah. when you watch all these American movies, they make it seem like, um, childbirth is, they don't make it seem like it's easy, but they make it seem like it's a quick process and everything is going to be done for you, um, when in reality we all know that is not the case um and i think that maybe some of the it could be that the reason why a lot of people are saying that they've had a bad experience is because like like you said they're going into it with a higher um expectation um when it's not anything that they're going to like receive at all but yeah do you think that there is some sort of romanticization of like pregnancy and childbirth
5: I think you hit the nail on the head. And it's not just for movies. Mm-hmm. Even antenatal classes. Yeah. People,
3: it? yeah. <laughs> so,
5: so it's not just movies. So it's very... I feel sorry for women because I feel like they so... This whole like... You know, what people should really be told is that what you want is a healthy mom and healthy baby. That should be your expectation. Um, however you achieve that, you know, you can have your own goals. I'm not saying you shouldn't. You can say I don't want an epidural, but, but I think, you know, keeping an open mind, you will come out and probably be happy. Um, I had two sections... People think it's the worst thing in the world, but I came out and I was happy. Um, I had like the yeah. serious... Actually, Yinka, I wanted sex to just be the surgeon, then, the surgeon
3: then, in me. It happy. was like, I see too many horrible uh, childbirths, I just want to go in <laughs> and have my baby removed. <laughs> but yeah. then it worked out the, the opposite yeah, I think, way, I think so it really very really yeah. Yeah, yeah,
4: there's like the wonderful birth centre... Like water birth, no doctors involved, midwife. There's TV, there's music, the walls Mm. are pink. Wonderful, (laughs) Um, (laughs) wonderful delivery. And then you walk over to Central Delivery Suite and (laughs) everyone is screaming. Yeah. Mm. And then you walk down a little bit further to to theatres. Yeah, well, you just all you want is a healthy baby, really.
5: Yeah and I think it's also a cultural thing. So you still have in Nigeria, you know, people really pressured against um I was speaking to somebody who, who told me how she almost lost her baby because um her family was so against the cesarean section and she was like adamant she wasn't gonna have one and she thought it was like the worst thing in the world to have a cesarean section. So there's still those kind of things. There's still there's still that, that happens. Um and I think that can be quite a cultural thing, not just in um like African culture, in in different cultures. Um yeah.
1: Yeah, one more thing I just wanted to say, if we could just know all around just quickly touch on aside from racism Mm -hmm. what other areas i know you guys have touched on it um in particular but what other things
5: if if i was going to summarize what i think you know the issues are i think i don't think there's any dispute whether there's systemic racism in the country or in the nhs um i struggle to see the direct patient link but i think it is something that we need to talk about um um i think um I agree with the socioeconomic status. Um, I think culture and religion, like you, you already said, play a big part in it. Um, I, I still don't think those things are enough to really account for something like the maternal deaths. I, I struggle, I also, the way, same way I struggle to see how it's racism is enough. I struggle to see how those things are enough and I actually struggle to see how those things together are enough as well. I think it 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 should be more, to, we need to look more into the actual clinical side of it um, more so than anything else, like the individual cases actually look at, you know, could this have been avoided? I think they do look into that, and anyway. I know they do. But you know, whether there's something else we should be doing in terms of when we do our antenatal um, care for Black women in particular, um, yeah, because I don't think I don't think recent socioeconomic factors, um, culture. I just don't think it should be enough to. It's such a big difference. I don't think it should be enough to account for that. Um, but you know, it it may be, and I don't. Yeah, I mean, I completely,
3: yeah, I agree with Tony on this. I mean, we we had this discussion about you know having labeling this something that's to do with you know systemic racism would be almost akin to labeling the fact that a lot of people that died from COVID were, um, BAME, or BAME population, and labeling that as systemic racism. I think it's definitely a lot more complex. I do think. I do think that, you know, there is a part, you know, when, when you bring out, you know, when you start to talk about systemic racism, I think more people listen and the conversation then is had. So I think, you know, sometimes you almost have to put a little bit of fire to to get, get things done. Um, but, but I do agree that, you know, there's, it's, it's definitely a lot more complex and it's something that, you know, we, we need to look into.
1: And to see just from like a public health standpoint what do you think um, can be done in terms of just improving a general education yeah. um, targeted towards black women to ensure that they actually understand that these underlying conditions and, and understand the importance of just being more conscious um, about how they look after themselves throughout their childbirth or, you know, um, or throughout their pregnancy?
2: Um, so in terms of education, I think finding the right outlets and seeing where, like, which outlets they use the most. So is it social media? Just figuring out, like, doing a lot like, market research on black women or black people in general. Just seeing how, like, what's the best way to target these people? Because Americans have mastered this, and this is how they are marketing um, less healthy food to Fox. more de- people of more deprived um, socioeconomic backgrounds. So, yeah, just figuring out how to get information out to everybody, even just podcasts. Like, this is very useful. Like, lots of people will listen to this. Um, So yeah, just making sure that through these outlets that you're telling people what conditions or what um yeah what risk black people have, what are they more at risk of, and just knowing this, what can they do to prevent this risk? So like in public health, prevention is a massive thing, and I think people don't take it that seriously because it's like, why should I be working so hard to prevent something that I'm not seeing? Like it's not the same thing as just treating yeah. something because then it's serious. Yeah. But just letting people understand how serious it can actually get and how high their risk is and then using that to say okay if it's cardiovascular disease like diet is a big thing exercise is a big thing and like I guess some things you actually can't help like Tommy was talking to me about preeclampsia and how that actually comes from like the male gene so like you can see um Nicole was very fit like she was dancing just before she passed away um but that's that was something completely out of her control and so yeah there's some aspects of it that people aren't aware of or they'll be like oh because People are not aware of that, they'll be like, oh yeah, that was racism. But then there was a lot more to the story. And I think just not ignoring your own risk factors, trying to learn more about your health. Um, checking your blood pressure, because I don't think that's... You'll probably think, oh yeah, I'm young, I'm fit, I'm... Yeah, I'm not going to check my blood pressure. But just like little things like that. Cardiovascular disease is a lot more common amongst young people. Young people are now um, diabetic or obese. So yeah, you should... Be aware of these things. Um, Keep promoting these things on social media if you think that's where a of people will go to. Try and find other outlets. WhatsApp is a great one for Nigerian mothers. So, yeah, just think mm-hmm. like that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure that's the age we're targeting. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: oh, my God. And I guess, like, any final words for, let's say, someone who's listening to this who is a young mother... Sorry who's currently pregnant, a young person, and things like that, to just sort of reassure them. Yeah. Um. Any last words that you guys all
5: have? Generally, on the whole, really privileged to have the healthcare system we have. Um. I think it's very easy when things go wrong. And when I say wrong, I, I, I love the fact that these things are being done. I feel like in a lot of countries that we originally come from, they're not even being researched in our country for our own people. So I love the fact that in the UK, people are actually looking into trying to look into why black people are dying more from pregnancy for example so i think we should try and actually reflect on the positives as well the fact that this is actually being looked into um conversations like this are amazing um i think um just actually appreciating the healthcare we do have um and that people in the nhs generally are trying to work for the good of everybody i think um i was saying somebody i was saying you know maybe i've just not experienced racism Within the NHS myself as well, that might just be my skewed view. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist, but I think that generally the majority of people um, are trying to work, do their best for everybody. Um, there are things in the systems that we need to system that we need to break. Um, but I also think the way we're having these conversations, black people, to try and change the system. I think um, white people um, and people that aren't black would be welcoming these conversations as well um, if they realise the impact that it's having. You understand what I mean? So I think it's it's. It's a good time to be in England, I think, when all these kind of conversations are happening. I think
1: Tommy actually, like, summed that up very yeah, well. Yeah, very well, actually. <laughs> and I know there's, like, an Embrace report that's meant to come out this year. Titi was something that we were talking about as well that is looking specifically into why um, black women may be five times more likely so that people don't just take it as just a racism, just racism. thing. Yeah. Um, and we can we can get the right answers, like to is saying, um, in understanding... Um, the underlying conditions and diseases in black people that may be leading to um these higher
0: numbers yeah and i think that it's a dangerous rhetoric to just put yeah. it down automatically to racism um uh, and i like like when this nicole thea died and no they hadn't even released why she died or how no. she not why sorry how she died and twitter just kind of made their own assumptions that you know it was down to racism and i think that in itself is a dangerous conversation to just spew out there yeah. without having all the facts because um we already know that um, when it comes to like black people at least i can speak for myself i'm already terrified to go to the doctor so yeah. then to then put it out there that's that like another I'm... barrier exactly yeah. so to then yeah. put it out there that oh well if i do go to the doctor they're not even going to listen to me and i'm going to end up dying it just it just makes it um a whole yeah. lot scarier when yeah. in in actuality we don't know why it is that she died i mean it it did come out later on that um she did have a heart attack but it's like before speaking i think it's important for us to have the facts um and like um Tomi said i think it's more important rather than just talking about racism it's and like you summed up why why do these things happen to black women and just getting a lot more education around that and informing people um about that yeah yeah this was really great, guys. This was really good and it was really informative. <laughs>
1: thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I wonder if Yinka has changed her opinion after Tomia. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I mean, I, I to be honest, I feel like we definitely both agree on the same things. I think the way we define it might be slightly different. I mean, I definitely don't think we can box things up into a certain category, but I think to say that, you know, the NHS is not systemically racist would be... I mean, I I, I, I mean, I, mean, don't know. We, we won't be able to sort of move forward and have these discussions if we don't label it what it is, is the way I see it. Um, so, I mean, it's not just to do with, it's not just to do with obs and gyne. You know, there's a lot of stats to do with black men in psychiatry, for example, and how, you know, black men are more likely, I mean, this is a whole different, this is a whole other kind of words, but like black men are more likely to be, you know, sectioned and more likely to be, um, over-medicated, misdiagnosed, that, you know, there are all these da- there's all these things that are coming out and I do think it's things that we need to look into to see how we can do better as the NHS and I think it's great that we're having this discussion, these discussions, I think, you know, it's great that people are open-minded to having these discussions I do agree that as black people we also need to be quite sensitive to the way we approach it so that people don't shy away from having these discussions with us, like white people don't have... Um, don't shy away from having these discussions and don't feel intimidated to engage but i do think you know we, we do need to label it what it is and have these discussions is my opinion yeah
0: awesome thank you guys so much for joining us we really 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 appreciate it and i think um our listeners would absolutely love this this was so informative and so interesting um thank you to the public health hub for collaborating with us on this episode <laughs> um yeah to everyone else make sure that you check out the public health hub all their information and their apps and everything will be in the description. Um, we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and if you want to see more content like this, let us know. Um, and yeah, that's it for this week guys yeah thank you so thank much you so, so so thank so you, much to you, our guests. You. Um, we really appreciate it.
1: And if anyone has any questions directly for our guests, we will just send it to them. Yeah. You know, if you guys have anything <laughs> that you want to
0: ask them, we'll send it to them directly and you can engage in conversation with them later. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, on that note, I'm going to end the podcast. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>